Kitchen Brain Podcast is brought to you by Be Better Culinary Perspectives, life and leadership coaching. My name is Mike Matarazzo. I'm a chef, a certified life coach, and founder of Be Better Culinary Perspectives and Chefs for Change. I help hospitality professionals and service professionals find balance and direction while maintaining positive leadership. Through my practice, I offer one-on-one coaching sessions where my clients and I develop a co-creative relationship that helps them find the answers to their most challenging life questions. I've come up with a variety of different plan options to fit any schedule or budget, and have even designed a text coaching plan that puts me in your pocket. We could all use a little extra support and guidance now more than ever. To find out how a coaching relationship can help you, visit our website, BeBetterCP.com, or send me an email at MichaelM at BeBetterCP.com. We work so hard to serve others. It's about time we start serving ourselves. Kitchen Brain. Hey, everybody. Uh, today on Kitchen Brain Podcast, I am joined by two very special individuals who are doing real uh, important and special work for the hospitality industry. Uh, we have the founder of Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, better known as Chow, John Hinman, and Executive Director of Chow, Aaron Boyle. Thank you both for, for joining us today on Kitchen Brain. So, uh, you know, Aaron and I met uh, last year, I think it was, we were both part of a panel discussion uh, for the American Culinary Federation that dealt with um, mental health and wellness. And we've kind of kept in touch ever since. And that for me, this has been kind of a long time uh, coming and, you know, definitely look out for some some collaborations in, in the near future as we, as we move through the year. Uh, but I want to start uh, kind of chronologically with with Chow, uh, with with John as the founder. When you read your bio, John, um, the first line is pie changed my life. And mm-hmm. I know that you're a pie maker, um, you know, by passion in the kitchen. And uh, tell us how that kind of manifested into your uh, your perspective on things and, and how you came to start Chow. How pie helped to start Chow. Chowing on pie, right? Um, well, thank you, Michael, for having us today. It's a real honor to be here. Um, excited to share about Chow and a little bit about um, our story. Um, I always say, um, like at the end of my emails, it says it's not about the pie. And I get a lot of questions about that because um, the pies have just seemed to be the vehicle that have gotten me to the next place or the next person. Um, pies. I think um, when you give somebody one, they instantly make them vulnerable. And majority of the time, 70% of the time, I would say I would get a story about their life or about their grandma or an, about an experience they had. Um, <clears throat> that's just kind of coming to dawn on me more recently than when I was actually um, doing it more and, and getting the stories. I didn't realize what was happening so much. Um, And then another big part of my story is that um, I've been in recovery um, from alcoholism for uh, 10 years now. And uh, Chow was founded because when I went to my first um, recovery meeting, I I don't remember what was said exactly, but I remember 
how I felt when I walked out of that room. And it was, I was just astounded that these people were, were laughing at their tragedies, were telling the truth. Um, I'd never been in a room um, that had been so honest before in my life. And like, these are, they were sharing things that, you know, you would take to your grave, you know, and then laughing about them. But there was also, um, and, and it attracted me to come back the next time, you know, it, it, it hit me somewhere dark in my heart that hadn't been awake in a long time. So um, Chow was kind of born from, from that idea initially. Um, and, and prior uh, to, to starting Chow, I was a pretty popular pastry chef in, in Denver. And I disappeared for a couple of years to get sober. And when I came back, there was a lot of articles written. So um, one of the, the last article that I was asked to participate in, I was very vocal about my sobriety. Um, I, I just asked the author, you know, can we, um, can we do something? I, you know, I don't need another attaboy. You know, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one that feels like this in, 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 the, in the industry. So we decided um, that we would have a meeting 30 days after that article came out and um, we did that. And I honestly thought none of these A-type personality chefs are gonna show up to this thing. Who wants to talk about feelings or anything like that? And even if they knew what one was, um, but the way the universe had it, um, Anthony Bourdain, unfortunately committed suicide two days before our first meeting. And um, at that first meeting, there was 40 people in attendance. Um, lots of people, a couple of people, not lots, talked about suicidal thoughts. Um, and while we were going around the room, the room, the meeting actually lasted a few hours. And while we were going down the room, I was just jotting down notes of all of our similarities. I was taught to listen for the similarities, not the differences. And um, the woman at the end um, got up and said, this is my suicide plan for tonight. And she laid it all out on the table in front of all of us. Wow. And um, she is alive and well and happy today. Um, but the dinger in my set head went off and I was like, okay, I'll be here at 530 next Monday. And that's how Chow started. You know, every Monday um, opened up my bakery at 530 and people started showing up and, um, and Chow was born. Wow. And um, so it, it just grew from there. I mean, people just kind of organically came on board and just wanted to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I think so. And, and we started, you know, like I said, talking about the similarities, you know, where, where does it hurt? Um, you know, it hurts in my head. It drives me, it drives me crazy, but where does it really hurt? It really hurts in my, in my heart and my soul, you know? And when you're talking about those things, um, there are scary topics at first, but they, you know, from the broken place is where the, the victory is won, I believe, you know, so if we can start there and identify what that is and start talking about it and, um, and see where we go from there. My um, initial idea for Chow was like, hey, let's put your toe in the idea of having these conversations. And, and once we uh, figure out what's going on, maybe we can trampoline that person to the real help that they need. You know, and, and that's kind of the idea I had around Chow. And it's becoming much more. Yeah, yeah. And that's so important. You know, uh, there's so many people out there, um, you know, whether in our in our industry or not, that just don't 
they just don't know the resources that are out there and available to them. Um, I, I guess everybody just assumes that it's a very expensive thing and it's just out of their reach. Um, so that's really cool. I love the, uh, the connection with Pi too. I was, uh, my wife and I were actually watching, um, uh, the news last night and, uh, Jose Andreas popped on there and he said, um, every plate of food is the beginning, uh, for a better tomorrow. And, and I, I think it's really cool that, uh, there, there, there are a lot of parallels, I think, to, to what we do, um, in, in the industry and to change in general, you know, I think that food can really, um, affect a lot of change. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that you made that connection. Um, Aaron, uh, executive director of Chow, uh, also a background as a chef, graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, um, chef in, in, in a few different states around the country. Uh, how did you get involved? What, uh, what was your kind of trajectory like? So I'm not, I don't remember exactly where I heard about it, but I heard about it. I heard they had meetings in Denver. Um, John was speaking at a slow food event, slow food nations a few years ago. And I hunted him down at that event and said, I can't get to Denver from Boulder. Um, we need to start a Denver, Denver or a Boulder chapter. So he agreed. We started doing a couple meetings up there and then uh, the, the pandemic hit and we, we transitioned to Zoom and we started getting folks on calls from all over the country, like Tahoe, Vermont, um, all over the place. So as things were kind of building, he asked me to take over some of the social media stuff. Turns out I'm not gifted at that, but I tried really hard. And um, I just kept doing a few more things, a few more things. And he had an aha moment at a craft store and called me and said, you should be the executive director. Uh, so I've been trying to, to do that for the last year. Awesome. I, and she's been doing a great job at it. You know, I, it was, she was like, what do you, what do I know about executive directing? And I'm like, what do I know about? We went from literally a Monday meeting that, that had no budget, really just a name to nothing to all of a sudden having a budget and having people involved um, at the beginning of, of COVID um, an angel donated a bunch of money to us. And all of a sudden it was like, we have to be an organization. And at the same time, my business, you know, all the restaurants closed and I was baking bread for over a hundred restaurants. Wow. And, um, and I had, a, am still in the process. It's almost over, but of flipping my entire business, you know, uh, the pandemic, I think the word pivot got overused because it was more like dancing on the top of a needle on a tutu, you know, and it, <laughs> you know, it's finally slowing down you know, but it was an experience. So sure. Aaron was a huge, nice. huge force. Nice. So hey, you're, guys. you're still making pie. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yep. But I, I was to, making to bread and pie on. before. <clears throat> Sorry. No, I was just saying, ahead, to Aaron. answer your question, I came to Chow um, after years in the industry and um, unfortunately being the person that was there, or the person that was called just after someone had attempted suicide. Um, and I've dealt with my own mental health issues. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. 
And I, and I knew that the folks that I'd worked with for years, I, I couldn't be the only person that thought that this was a, a, a good mission and a good vision and that we needed more of it. So that's the, the longer picture of how I got here. Sure. So what, what types of, um, of, of mental health issues were you kind of dealing with in, in, in your world? So I, um, I now have words for them, but when I was in restaurants, I, I didn't have time to deal with it or talk to anybody or even notice really. Um, it wasn't until I left the last restaurant, uh, that I had time to get a therapist and was, um, diagnosed with anxiety, depression, ADHD, and a little PTSD. So I like to get, like to get the whole, the whole thing, the whole enchilada, um, and yeah, I mean, when I was 16, I never had, um, I never attempted suicide, but I did have visions of, of if I hurt myself enough, I don't want to die, but I do want to hurt myself enough that this person, this person will have to come see me in the hospital. They'll be obligated to pay attention to me. Um, and that was, yeah, I, they, then they just told me I had something that was similar to mono because I had no energy, couldn't get out of bed, didn't really want to, didn't want to take care of myself. Um, but looking back at now, I know, you know, I've been struggling with depression since it, at least 16. Right. Now you said um, that, you know, for, at the time you, you didn't really have time to, to talk about it or, or get help. Um, how do you how do you view that kind of mindset now? Has your if you look back on that, have you kind of changed your mind about not having time back then? I mean, have you kind of shifted and and think about that? Do you think about that a little bit differently now? I do, and I think I think we have times for the things that we value. And again, I didn't have the language, so I didn't know what I was missing. Nobody could have said this was a mental health issue, and I would have understood it. So I, th I think now that the conversation is being had a little bit more openly, people can go, oh, I, okay, I know what that is. I've heard of anxiety. I've taken a test. It turns out I've, I've answered en enough questions positively for the depression screening. Now, what am I gonna do? And I think there is time, even in a busy restaurant schedule to address it. Uh, there's all sorts of resources out there that don't take a lot of time. A lot of things have gone to telehealth or zoom. So you don't, you don't have to leave where you are. You can take your, your break in between services. And so to answer your question, you can make time for the things that are important. Yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, and again, another thing that I, I think people, um, just don't know, you know, they just don't realize it. And that's, you know, I think in hospitality we, we've been, uh, program to a large degree, um, you know, not only that there's not time to take care of ourselves, but also uh, in some cases, it's not okay uh, to talk about. It's not okay to be tired. It's not okay to be depressed um, or anxious or, or have any of these things because, you know, you're on stage all the time, right? So put on a smile and and kind of uh, suppress your your emotions and, and challenges and uh, figure it out. Um, so I, I, I think it's really, really important for people to hear that. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, you, you said the words mental health issues a minute ago, and I really kind of want to get both of your perspective on this. 
um, because there there is that stigma. And uh, pretty recently on the the Facebook group Chefs for Change that I that I um, uh, am a, and an administrator for, I asked the question um, about basically you know how how is your mental health uh, or how do you view your mental health and it's it's kind of interesting that people view the words mental health as a diagnosis instead of a state of being um is that something is that kind of a hurdle or an obstacle that you often deal with um when when you talk to people i mean is that how, how do you view that stigma um that's a that's a tricky one for me a little bit because if you ask me how i'm doing do i really know how i'm doing right so how's your mental health and i could say i'm just perfectly fine and, blah, 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 and i'm happy and da, 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 da. but really I, you know, like Aaron just alluded to, she didn't have the words, you know, um, something was off. So for me, I, I depend on a, a small village of people that, that catch me, you know, and I'm open and vulnerable to that. Um, as, as far as the stigma goes, um, you know, I think it's a great topic for people to talk about. I mean, um, I talk freely about it because I'm a guy that shouldn't really be here today, you know? So in order to keep it, what I have today, I got to give away uh, equally as much. And I realize that today. And if this is what I have to do and, and, and share my soul like this um, to help others, then it's worth it because it keeps me alive. You know, this, this work keeps me more alive than I can keep myself, if that makes sense. Um, so Getting vulnerable has been a, a, a really freeing thing in my perspective. I just know that I struggle and I can identify um, a lot of those struggles or I rely on other people to help me identify them so I can work on them. If, if that answered your question in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, that, that's really interesting too because, um, you know, it, it seems like what you're saying is that you're, you're just – just talking and opening up and and being vulnerable kind of became your most effective form of therapy um and and that i i believe is a a pretty huge statement and and realization for a lot of people too because you know therapy is it, it can be a really great thing I, I don't necessarily know that everybody needs formal therapy um but just just talking you know i mean some of the challenges that I've had, uh, I find that when I speak openly about them, that I always feel better after, um, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm kind of an open book myself. Um, so with Chow, you, you, you all are offering, uh, all sorts of really great resources for people. Um, if you, if you check out the Chow website and I'll put the link, uh, down below, uh, chowco.org. Uh, you can see kind of all the resources uh, that, that they're offering from peer discussion groups. Um, you, you have a partnership also with uh, Kessid Wellness. Um, can, can you tell me about that? So they are um, offering clinical individual therapy for folks uh, in the restaurant industry. I believe they have a pro, pro bono program that covers your first few visits. And sometimes that's all anybody needs. Uh, unfortunately, because of the rules of, of each state being different, uh, they're only in Colorado and Texas right now. 
That said, if somebody is outside of Colorado or Texas, we have plenty of resources that we can find. So if you're in New Jersey listening to this and, oh, okay, well, then I can't get the free therapy. I, I bet I can find a resource to help. There's probably something similar to Kessid, but um, Kessid, Kessid is also, they're incredible. I know a few folks who have worked with them and have uh, found a really meaningful conversation there as well. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know what my employer offers, uh, you know, and I work for a kind of a larger property. There are a lot of larger properties that offer employee assistance programs, and those are generally paid for by the employer and, and free to, to staff. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, smaller businesses that can't afford to do that, uh, and aren't in a position to, so, um, you know, I'm going to jump in on, on yeah, that sure. because we also have an employee assistance program that, that gives you free, uh, six free visits to therapy. We've also got life coach and financial assistance, and we're extending that offer to anyone that volunteers with us for 40 hours a year. So that not only you, but your entire family is covered. So your partner, your children. And I, I hunted a lot for this employee assistance program because they are extremely expensive. And we were able to find one that was willing to work with a small group because right now we only have five people. Sure. So to spend $10,000 a year doesn't make sense. So they're willing to work with small, whatever, however small your group is and grow with you as needed. So as you add more people, it'll get more expensive. Um, I'll send you that information, but the group's called triad. So again, I believe that if, if you want something and it's important, you'll find it. So I I think everyone, all of the restaurants, I think it's something works out to something like $45 per person a month to make sure that everybody is covered for, um, for their mental health. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I can, I can put that link, uh, down below also for people to reference. Um, but employers also can, can get resources from Chow for their, for their teams. Um, what, what kind of things I, I know that I, I saw something on the website about, uh, wellness self-check cards, um, and wellness rewards programs. Um, what, what's, what's that all about? Aaron, I'll let you take that one. Okay. So yeah, we have uh, wellness check-in cards. I have one right here, probably won't focus well, but um, it folds up to fit into your, into your wallet or into your pocket or into your server booklet. Uh, it asks some general daily questions just to check in with yourself. Did I get enough sleep? Did I take time to eat? Uh, all of us in the restaurant industry knows there are some days that eat. I didn't even have time to pee. I didn't take that time for myself. So this, this just gives you a little way to, Oh, you know, I didn't do most of these things. Maybe tomorrow I'll try. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yours isn't blurry. Um, maybe I'll try to do some of these things tomorrow. And then on the other side is questions to help start a conversation. And this could be a conversation with yourself or with a coworker or a friend. How are you really? Not just how are you? Fine. How are you really? Like, tell me, I, I'm asking because I want to know. I don't just want to walk past you. Um, and then it has a list of the 24-7 hotlines that I think is super important. Because again, if you're in a, a situation where you're feeling really troubled, you, want, you don't want to have to look for this stuff. You want to reach in your pocket, grab it. Um, or if you're trying to help a friend, you don't want to have to search for this stuff. 
Uh, you mentioned the, the incentive program. So Chow wants to give you prizes for taking care of yourself. So there's po a point system for doing anything that we think is a good way to improve your mental health. So just like physical health, we've got to go on walks. We've got to go to the gym, your mental health. You, maybe you journal or go to a chow meeting or drink enough water. Anything will get you points. And those points, you can uh, get prizes from us that may be a journal, a water bottle. Um, forget what else we have. We also have a, um, it's Herpes. called a muse. Puppies, is that what you said? Sharpies. No oh, puppies. Sharpies. Yes, no puppies. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be a reward for everyone. Um, but we also have a, a Muse mental health training. So we called it a Muse because it's just a small bite into the world of mental health and substance use disorder. But it's a it's a facilitated training that'll give people the language so that maybe they have for themselves. Oh, that's what anxiety is. That's what addiction is. Uh, maybe they have it for other people. Like, hey, I've noticed that you, your behavior has changed. Do you think you could be experiencing this? Um, and then also how to support each other and a little bit of conflict resolution. So that hopefully if everybody takes this training, you know, we've got, we don't have enough therapists if all of us decide to go to therapy tomorrow. So to your point, Michael, that not everybody needs therapy. That even if they did, we don't have enough therapists. So we all need to be here to support each other. And that's not saying that John's going to become my therapist, but it's just to empower John to know what to do, to say, hey, I can, I'm concerned about you, but I don't know how to handle this, how, but how can I help? I'm concerned, but I'm not qualified. Let me help you get help. So go to a child meeting, go to therapy, uh, go to a 12-step program. That's really and cool. Yeah. Thank God. We're not all insane at once. You know, we're able to, <laughs> to help are, are we not, are we not John? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we are, but we're not all acting insane at once. How's that? Um, yeah, that's awesome. The, I love the card idea. I'm probably going to uh, hit you guys up uh, after this interview's over and, and see what, what I can do about getting some of those for my staff. Um, and the accountability piece I think is really cool too with the, the rewards program. I mean, that's really kind of a fun way to be held accountable for, 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 uh, the, you know, these taking these important steps. Um, so for all of the employers out there who are looking for ways, look, it's a, it's a big topic right now, right? When we talk about the, the mass staffing shortage, uh, that we're dealing with, um, you know, it's, it's, I've been very open and vocal about, um, my kind of perspective about it not being, just about unemployment benefits uh, and and pay rates, but um, the environment, you know, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people that are kind of shying away from the, the, the stereotypical environment that has been hospitality. Um, and if you're looking for ways to improve that environment and give your employees a benefit that is, you know, not monetary, um, but something very meaningful that can really help them have an easier time performing for you and serving others. Um, these resources uh, that Chow provides are are pretty incredible and attainable to everybody. So um, you know, definitely check them out. Um, so you I, you t uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say on that note, and as as employers, managers, chefs, it's not your job again to be to be the therapist to fix it. 
but it is your job to bring it up and not just once like, Hey, we have this EAP, you stick the poster on the wall and forget it. Um, unfortunately, mental health doesn't go away. So we, we've got to continue the conversation. So at least weekly bring it up. Hey, does everybody know we have these resources? Okay, great. Yeah, great. <laughs> great point. Um, so, you know, you talk about uh, the support groups. Um, I, I noticed that you have uh, a few different time slots for support groups. You have support groups that are women only. You have support groups in Spanish, um, all, all, you know, very accessible uh, to people. Um, they're all, it looks like they're all in mountain time, right? You, you're, you're all in Colorado. Is that right? Yep. Um, so when we talk about support groups, this is kind of a, an interesting topic for some people too. Um, people are very kind of careful about being seen or heard or being known, uh, when it comes to their specific challenges. Um, how, how would somebody know that, uh, they could benefit from a chow meeting. I mean, who really needs to to go to a, a support group meeting? You know, chow meetings are pretty. Um, you know, you, it, there's no requirement to come. You know, other than having to touch the restaurant industry at some point in your life. You know, but you don't have to be sober to come. You don't. I mean, yes, be sober at the meeting, but um, you don't. You know, you don't have to be in any sort of recovery. It's just that that's where I come from. But there's a common thread there of like, hey, I don't feel good, so I drink. You don't feel good, so maybe you cut yourself. And hey, you don't feel so good, so maybe you eat. You know, but our core of our crux of our problems seem to be pretty similar. You know, um, a lot of us are really unknowingly selfish. A lot of us are feeling alone. A lot of us are driven by our egos. You know, and it gives us a chance to to get together and break that down a little bit, you know, and, and find where we're vulnerable again. Um, and, and coming to a chow meeting, you know, generally everybody leaves either wiping tears and smiling or just straight up smiling, you know, like something is released and, and people do come back after that, even if they're not in the business, we've had people come that are outside of it and, and said, Oh, I'd never thought of so-and-so about that or, never thought about forgiveness in that way. I never thought about, um, um, Aaron, what was the great meeting we had that we flipped it on end? Um, uh, nurture, nurture, nurture. That was a topic once and man talk about, there isn't a bigger industry of nurturers out there. And, And when we were presented with that question, the stuff that came out of that, it's like, who's nurturing us, you know, at the end of the day, um, because, I missed my mother's 60th birthday party because I was cooking for somebody else's mother's 60th birthday party. You know, it's, we're extremists, you know, when it comes to that stuff. So, um, yeah, we are, I, you know, I often say we, we're like, we have these superpowers, uh, you know, that are specific to what we do, um, whether it's chefs or, or, uh, servers or whatever part of the hospitality you're in, we have this kind of superpower to, to be able to perform at a high level under pressure and stress and always keep a smile on and stay organized and keep being inspiring to people and, uh, you know, being a mentor to people. Uh, and then we walk out of the doors of work and it's like, you know, the cape fell off and we we're, we don't know what to do with ourselves. You know, we don't use those powers on ourselves. Um, so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that's uh, that's a really good point too. 
it comes to a point where we work so damn hard, it's too hard to think. And sometimes that's the drive. You know, if I work this hard, I'll be that exhausted and I won't have to deal with, you know, going like today. I've been working so hard. I have enough parking tickets that I had to talk myself out of one today. And I'm about the guy had the boot out and I begged him, you know, to let me go down to the magistrate today. But, you know, I don't deal with stuff. You know, I just keep going. And and my personal life's a, all over the place, you know. So that that avoidance is, is one of the things that the working in a restaurant can do for us for until it doesn't work, you know, and that's where Chow can come in. Sure. And I think just jumping to a, um, a treadmill for your New Year's resolution or, or you know, everybody kind of jumps to that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to get a gym membership and, and, and go, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, physical health is, is right up there. Uh, I think with, with mental health, but, uh, it's just easier, I think, to, to get some, some weights to put in your basement or, um, you know, feel like you're, you're doing something and you post it on social media that you just ran a mile and you get celebration, but, uh, it's a lot more difficult, uh, isn't it? To, to talk about things and, and work on your, your, your mental state. Yeah. And I think in order to lift those weights, sometimes you got to talk about what's going on, you know, <laughs> to get that far. I mean, I'm 20 pounds underweight. I'm a wreck you know, after COVID, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we still I still am aware of like Chow is important to me. Chow keeps me at least somewhat on the beam. You know, it doesn't keep me perfectly on the beam, but it, it's a good reminder every Monday. of It's a good check in of where I'm at. You know, and if I miss Chow for two or three weeks and it's happened, you know, I come back crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'd like to say, you know, you can come to a meeting so you don't have to come to a meeting, you know, go to a meeting so you don't have to come to a meeting, you know, and, and keep yourself in, in good spirits. Sure. Yeah. How, how has the pandemic? Um... I mean, that's a workout, like going to the gym. It's the same workout. That's right. It's different. How has the pandemic kind of um, affected Chow's work? I mean, what, what what kind of things have has anything really shifted um, in in the work that you do? What 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 have you seen out there? Gosh, Aaron would know best, but I would say everything. You know, pre pre pandemic, you know, Chow was just a meeting at five thirty on Monday nights, um, and now it's across the country, you know, the, the word is getting out. We just had, I just had a con, uh, conversation with a, a congressman uh, last week who wants to attend a meeting. Um, so that was a really interesting conversation, but it, it's getting, it's getting known and it's, it's getting some support and a little bit of momentum behind it now that I never expected. Yeah. I think moving to the, to zoom was the biggest change and one that we would have never considered pre pandemic. And it, and it turns out to be one of those silver linings is, is this wasn't needed for just Denver and Boulder. This is, this is needed for the industry. Um, and I'm not saying that, it, that going to a chow meeting is going to fix everybody's problems and, and going to solve the, the um, hiring issues and staffing issues. But I will say every time I've gone to a meeting, I've left just a little bit. I mean, you can see my shoulders come down a little bit. I'm a little just a bit more relaxed because I'm not the only one holding my problem anymore. The whole group has heard what I came to share 
and we're all carrying it together. And it just, it feels really different. And that sounds so woo woo and I'm not a woo woo person, but it's incredibly, um, I was going to say life-changing, but that sounds woo-woo too. But it, it really is to, to have this ready-made community that you step into, because we all know who you are. If you've worked or, and touched the, re- the restaurant industry, we know what you've gone through. You know what we've gone through. So we don't even need to start with, let me tell you why my job's hard. No, no, no. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let's talk about life and all that. So we, we don't have to dance around uh, getting to know each other. And it's it's... Yeah. So long story short, Zoom is the biggest change from the pandemic. Yeah. And we are uniquely qualified to help each other. You know, there's nobody out there outside of the restaurant business, you know, that can really help us and understand where we are in that moment. If that makes sense, you know, we're uniquely qualified. You go see a therapist and they're like, well, go, go to the gym or, and do this and set aside four hours a week or whatever. And you're like, I'll set aside four hours, you know? Um, yeah, even the best therapist will not happen. understand what it's like to get out of work at 2 a.m. Just pumped with adrenaline and feeling either really good or really bad about how the night went. And what do I do with all this? Like, and they, they don't know what happened it. the 10 hour prior. You know, they yeah. hadn't yeah, had a yeah. pan come in their direction. They hadn't gotten burned. They hadn't gotten hosed down with the dishwasher. They hadn't, you know, all this stuff. Gotten screamed at. Yeah, you, you, it's funny, like, when you go to somebody else's Thanksgiving and somebody accidentally cuts themselves or something, it's tragic, but it's like, Oh my God, break out the bandage and four people are around this little cut. And I'm like, run it underwater, stick it in cayenne, get back to work, you know, get some duct tape, get some super glue. (laughs) Yeah. It's a flesh wound, you know, literally. Yeah. So relatability, (laughs) relatability is important. Um, and I've, uh, Aaron, I've never said, uh, the words woo woo out loud before. Uh, But I don't feel that anything you described sounds woo-woo at all. I, 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 it, it actually, for me, it sounds very relieving and freeing um, to, to think about, you know, being uh, in, in a room full or even a virtual room full of people that can relate to the things that I'm talking about. And everybody can kind of uh, share that, uh, I don't want to say burden, but kind of share the experience and, and take it on together. Um, I guess, I guess I'm just picturing Aaron now speaking to chef Aaron 15 years ago and chef Aaron would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have any problems. I'm fine. I'm just going to keep working. Like John said, nose is a grindstone. I don't have time to look up or deal with anything. And, uh, and so comparatively it feels very squishy. Sure. As opposed to the hard chef that I, I felt like that persona that I was for so long. Do you, do you hear, I, I want to ask this question um, because of what you just said, uh, because I, I recently had kind of a back and forth with somebody on social media about this idea. Um, do you, what do you think about the, I, I mean, I, I know that you're, you're not for it, but there is this kind of overwhelming perception um, that there is that that you you can't be a high performing chef do you believe that you could still be the chef that you were um when you were you know when we were all much younger uh with that mindset and that drive and determination do you believe it's possible um you know i kind of know the answer but um 
there's a lot of people who don't believe that it's possible to have both, to, to be that high performing, driven, goal oriented and goal achieving chef and also invest time in, in their mental health. Yes. Saturday, I would say no. And um, yesterday I watched a, a show on Netflix called uh, The River Runner, I think. And it's about this um, kayaker who was, you know, he was the first kayaker to do this and that and do the video and this and that. And he was going to run these four rivers in India that nobody had ever done before. And, um, and he ran three of them and he ran them all out of his ego, you know, and it broke him. And he wound up with a brain tumor. And um, 20 years later, he was able to do the fourth one. But he had to do, in order to get there, he had to walk away from what he loved doing the most. And that was kayaking for eight years. And then he had to reteach himself how to kayak. And, these, and this group of 20-somethings came up and, and, and supported him and got him down that fourth river. So, But he really did it himself. So. Like I said, Saturday, I would say, no, I had to be that person. But when you, when you hear that story and watch it flip and how he came at everything with gratitude and some respect for his life and others around him and, and acceptance um, and not being the driven one, he was able to actually achieve more than he did on that one river than he did not muscling his way through those three. If that Very makes cool. Sense. Very cool. The, the, that's on Netflix, The River Runner, you say? I believe it's called The River Runner, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to check it's, that out. It's beautiful. It was really cool. Nice. Yeah, and I I mean, I agree. I I am currently the best supervisor I've ever been right now. If I could have more of my the patience that I have now and the willingness to teach that I have now 15 years ago, I I think restaurants are so reactionary, right? We we there's a problem, we react to it. But if we can twist it a little, and if I could have spent more time on training so that I wasn't getting upset during service when something went wrong, because I didn't teach the person how to set themselves up for success. Um, and, and the patience that it takes to train the person properly, right? I used to just, you know, just do it. Well, my, my caramel crystallized. What do I do? Start over. Well, what happened? I don't know. Just redo it, but do it right this time. Right. Like, um, I think you're trying I, to solve your own problem. At yeah, the same exactly. Time I've got, right. I've got six burners going too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think if, if, if we are able to do a more whole wholesome look at the restaurant itself and build as we go, just like you, you prepare your station, you get your, your meets and plus, you want to get your mental mise en place. You also want to like build people to grow with you, not just yell at them. <laughs> I, I, th I think, I don't know that I could handle a 14 hour day right now though, yeah, but right. I would love to, to have the opportunity to go back into a restaurant and, and like, and see what it would be like now. So we, so we, we shouldn't tell people to go cry on the walk-in. Is that what you're saying? I think the walk-in is a great place to cry. <laughs> <laughs> we did a podcast a couple months ago about the beauty of the walk-in with other yeah. chefs around the country. And it's like, you know, the walk-in, you, you could do a show yourself because we didn't even scratch the surface of it. And we talked about it for an hour. 
you know, right. Of, you know, people get hired, fired, important conversations, babies are made, people get drunk, people tell the truth, people just go in there and scream at the top of their lungs. A booby trap is set, you know, I mean, the walk in you know, to a server who aren't usually allowed to go in there, they see that beat up door. I mean, you know, this is our, our poster is a walk in, you know, this is a Spanish version, but it's, right. you know, ours says 86% of restaurant employees scream in the walk-in. That's how we get your attention with a picture of a walk-in. So, um, you know, if screaming in the walk-in doesn't cut it anymore, you know, so right. we embrace the walk-in. It's a right. confessional, you know? Yeah. It's maybe true. my new studio will be in the walk-in. They, that would be, oh, that would be kind be of awesome. cool, wouldn't it? Somebody's going to steal that. Cool. Soundproof. Yeah. You know, some, somebody's oh. going to steal that from me. You uh, said it first. <laughs> that's we right. It's, yep. it's, it's time stamped. Uh, well, one more thing, John, um, I, I, I have heard, uh, you know, kind of vague stories about, uh, a, a concert, your greatest concert. Um, and I, I need to, I need to ask you about that because I'm, I'm super curious about, uh, about this story. I need to know which one, cause you're talking to a guy that's been like, give me a hint. Cause I've had so many great experiences. Aaron, you're going to have to help Aaron's... me here now. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. I, I just, I was getting angling for any, cause you're, you're such a concert guy. I was like, man, the question he's going to want to hear is what's your greatest concert. My greatest concert. I'll have to say, um, you know, I had the opportunity. I've been a YouTube fan member since I was like seven fan club member since I was 17. And I think the first concert my dad took both my brother and myself to was the Joshua Tree Tour in 1987 in Syracuse. And um, some things have happened over the years. My father now has um, five years of sobriety, and I had a lot to do with that. So um, they went on tour in, in 2017 and did the Joshua Tree start to finish, and I was able to get tickets for my brother, my dad, myself, you know, at um, New Era Stadium in New Jersey on my brother's birthday to sit front row at U2. And to be able to get to do that, and now that was a couple of years later, we saw Bono out back, but um, to be able to get to do that with my dad and my brother, and really, you know, the three of us always had these these brick walls in between us and, and to get to go there together and enjoy that again. And, and my dad still had his hat on from 1987 he dug it out and found his old joshua tree hat my brother is awesome my brother does work that you know doesn't even touch what what we do here at chow he he, he works for the state of new york and and he gives showers and changes diapers to people that are um are, are too old you know um and, and he really does the work of the world my brother but um to, to be able to get to go spend that time with them was, was incredible, you know, to get to do that and sing together and, and have, have those memories of riding in the car from, from years past. That was a, a real great experience for me. Cool. Yeah, that is. And there was Springsteen on Broadway and then there's this and then there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I do go to a lot of shows. That's awesome. Cool. As, going to concerts, big ones are, is like going to church for me a lot. You know, I love going to a Pearl Jam show because everybody is like, there's this angst, but there's also so much overwhelming love and the house lights are on and everybody's singing together. And, um, you know, you get this, that is my kind of church is going to the, 
concert. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Cool. Do you play anything? Are you a, a musician yourself? No, I'm just an avid listener. Nice. A very, you know, I would say, you know, like people call me an audiophile. I have tower speakers. So, you know, <laughs> I got a problem, you know. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, listen, uh, John and Aaron, thank you. Uh, thanks again for taking time. Uh, anybody who wants to, um, well, you should, anybody who is looking for um, some, some options and some ideas to, to get some support, any employers that are looking for ways to offer uh, their teams uh, some great resources uh, to help with, with uh, challenges, mental health uh, and wellness, uh, www.chowco.org. Uh, I'll put the link down below, so uh, it'll make it a little easier for you. Please, um, please like and share this episode of Kitchen Brain. Um, oh, also, there's you guys have a private Facebook group too that people can can uh, join. Um, and you can join us for a live meeting every Monday night, five thirty Mountain Time, or is it six? Oh, six, six. <laughs> I yeah, I, I definitely highly recommend uh, that you check out Chow. Um, incredible resources, incredible people. Um, so, so do that. John and Aaron, thank you again for taking time to, to join us on Kitchen Brain. Keep doing what you do. Thank you for everything that you're doing to positively uh, affect our industry. Um, it's, it's amazing, amazing work and really important. And, uh, and, and I, I, I really appreciate uh, everything that you all are doing. So um, keep doing it, and uh, hopefully we can have some future conversations um, and, and work together on, on some, some projects in the future. But uh, thank you both. Enjoy. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Thank you very much, Michael. the same about you.